Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. Hello, this is episode 123, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, February 13th. I was joined via phone by Comptroller of Maryland, Peter Francho. We were discussing Senate Bill 703 and House Bill 1052. This episode was recorded before the hearings that took place that Friday. During those hearings, uh, I guess you could say there was a little bit of a contentious moment in the Senate when uh, Senator Ben Kramer was introducing the legislation where um, at one point the chairman even asked him to uh, basically calm down a little bit and stick to the facts of the bill. As a result of the testimony, according to MarylandMatters.org, the comptroller is going to be filing an ethics complaint against the senator uh, ben Kramer. And one of the reasons for that is uh, quoted in the MarylandMatters.org article. Uh, he was, uh, Senator Kramer said, there has never been another comptroller that has abused the power and the authority of this once honorable office to extort hundreds and thousands of dollars from those industries the public entrusted him to regulate. If you would like to watch the entire Senate hearing, I'll provide a link to it in the show notes, and we will post the link to it on our Facebook page. And now let's hear from Comptroller Francho. All right, so I'm I'm on the phone with uh, the Comptroller of Maryland, Peter Francho. Um, this is the I think the fourth time we've spoken to you, uh, and so I think now you have been on the most times, and you hold the distinction of being the first time I've interviewed someone over the phone. So I want to thank you for taking time and giving me a call. Yep. Well, there's uh, snow on the ground, so I'm uh, glad I'm not uh, out traveling right now. But uh, I'm delighted to be on your show, Chris. And I think it's uh, so important because of the focus on the uh, marvelous craft beer industry that we have in Maryland, which has been unfortunately relegated to last place in the region because of these legislative interferences with their ability to um, produce great beer and sell it to Marylanders. I think before we get into um, the the top, that topic and the negativity that unfortunately we're going to have to discuss, I think uh, we need to congratulate you. You recently were reelected. Um, it was quite a nail biter. You only won by 71.4% of the vote. Uh, so congratulations. Thank you very much. And, uh, for some reason, the number 1,620,264 sticks in my head. That's the number of votes that I was lucky enough to get, uh, in the last general election. It's more votes than any other Marylander in history has ever gotten for a state election. So I'm humbled, privileged, uh, proud to be uh, popular with the voters. And uh, we're going to continue to try to deliver the same customer service, respect for the taxpayer, respond for the taxpayer, get good results for the taxpayer that were that I have uh, championed over the last 12 years. So actually, and 
do you have any plans to parlay that popularity into possibly running for governor? I've heard some speculation about that. Well, a lot of people tug at my sleeve and say, why don't you run for governor? Because I got so many votes and they think that the kind of uh, showing up, doing my job, fiscal moderation, laying down the partisan sword. Uh, I happen to have a positive relationship with Governor Hogan. Um, a lot of people tug in my sleeve and say, hey, why don't you run for governor? Uh, well, that's a bigger uh, undertaking than just saying, oh, yeah, I'd like to be governor. I mean, who wouldn't like to be governor? But going through a gubernatorial campaign can be very arduous. And being governor can be very, very challenging. Uh, I, uh, in four years at the end of this term, I will either choose to run for re-election as comptroller, where I'm very happy, or retire and spend more time with my grandkids, which I uh, hope I have even more than I have now, and uh, or I could run for governor. And that decision will be made down the road, I will say that I'm not term limited as comptroller. And um, I really like the job that I have. And I love serving the people of the state of Maryland as comptroller. And I kind of say facetious, not facetiously, but I say uh, to my critics, be careful because next month my father uh, is going to celebrate his 97th birthday. So I could be around for a while. <laughs> so the, the strong franchise genes could be here for quite some time. Well, plus he's kept all his mental faculties. Obviously, he's a little frail because, uh, you know, he was a B-24 bomber pilot for the Navy during World War II. Oh, wow. He's, he's led a long, distinguished uh, life. Uh, so physically, he's frail, but mentally, he's uh, sharper than I am. Well, happy birthday to him in, in yep. advance. Yep, at the end of next month. All right, so let's um, let's dig right into the topic. So I, I don't want to take up too much of your valuable time. Um, so there was a task force formed uh, to look into the your office's uh, overseeing the the regulation of alcohol, tobacco, and fuel. Is there? Those are the three things. No, actually, the task force was set up. It's all personal harassment and retaliation against me. Uh, it's kind of a parlor game that the legislative leaders, the speaker and the Senate president play with me each year because they didn't like my advocacy for craft brewers. And particularly, they didn't like me drawing the curtain back on the out-of-state beer cartel led by Budweiser and Miller Coors that basically runs the show as far as alcohol legislation down in Annapolis. And so they set up this commission. It was only supposed to look at alcohol regulation. That's all it did. Uh, they couldn't come up with a single example of anything that was wrong with the uh, agency regulation of alcohol. But then they came out and said, no, we want to take alcohol regulation away from the comptroller. Oh, and by the way, we also want to take his regulation of of petroleum and tobacco products away, even though nobody ever mentioned that once. And uh, so it's basically a, uh, you know, piece of petty uh, partisanship that's being done against me uh, for my advocacy. It's too bad because it's very re reckless. It's very expensive. 
Uh, it's very completely unnecessary. Uh, the only people that are going to suffer are the citizens of the state who are going to have to pay for this uh, political game. And uh, it's quite a bit of money, as you uh, may ask me. I'm happy yeah. to tell you about how expensive it would be. But in addition to that, uh, folks are going to not only pay through the nose for it, for their taxes, they're going to have to suffer lower uh, services as far as uh, yeah. regulation of the tobacco and petroleum and alcohol laws. How long? Has it's the... a long-winded way of saying you just can't make this stuff up. It is yeah. so petty and so punitive and so transparent what's going on. Uh, but, hey, that's Annapolis. How, how long has the comptroller's office been over the regulation of those three things? Since Prohibition. And we currently have a nationally regarded number one in the country enforcement division made up of former law enforcement officials. Jeff Kelly, the head of the division, is the president of the national organization of uh, organizations that enforce alcohol, petroleum and tobacco laws around the country. It's a very distinguished group of people. It's very disruptive for them to have uh this threat of uh you know revenge against me i guess uh end up with them being moved into uh an unknown new agency and it's very galling to them because they do such great work and uh, yet uh it's their their agencies being uh taken apart for no reason I mean, there's literally not been one example put forward by any of the proponents of this move, the speaker and the Senate president's office primarily. Not yeah. one scintilla of an example as to what the problem is, other than we just don't like Francho. Yeah, th so if I remember correctly, if, if I seen is the only reason that they're using is the basis is that they didn't that. I think they've said themselves that the reasoning is that you spend so much time championing the alcohol industry that you shouldn't be in charge of regulating it. Well, I, I have ch I have championed Maryland small businesses, which I'm happy to do. These wonderful uh, breweries that are all over the landscape in Maryland, uh, but with which without uh, support uh from elected officials like me will quickly disappear from maryland and go to virginia and pennsylvania and delaware and dc west virginia where they have much more use uh brewer friendly laws um what what is the problem here the problem is that the out-of-state beer companies that have their tentacles into uh, annapolis and have ever since prohibition uh, are basically scared of the competition of the craft brewers. So flying dog sales are going up. Uh, all of the Attaboy and all the great brewers are going up. Their sales are going up 15%, a, 10 or 15% a year. And Budweiser and Miller and Coors are going down 10, 15% a year. It's just economic protectionism, which causes these big beer companies to say we want to limit the growth of craft beer. The problem is that it's a just a wonderful uh, manufacturing sector. It, it could double, triple or quadruple within the next few years in Maryland if we could just simply get out of their way and let them do what they're good at, which is producing great beer and selling it to Marylanders 
using Maryland employees and Maryland agricultural products like uh, Flying Dog and Attaboy and all those folks, Antietam Brewery, et cetera, use. And uh, all of that money stays local as opposed to the out-of-state beer folks. Okay, so last year when we were debating these improvements, uh, I pulled the curtain back and revealed that the legislators actually don't make the liquor laws down in uh, Annapolis. It's three lobbyists, Jack Milani and Steve Wise and Nick Manis, who work for the kind of the beer cartel, I call them. These are three unelected people who basically determine all of the beer legislation, the specifics, and then they give it to the legislators and tell them to legislate it. And it's, uh, you know, when I pulled the curtain back on that and showed that it was, uh, you know, a backroom operation uh, that was just tormenting these wonderful Maryland businesses, uh, they got angry and now they're retaliating with these bills that they've introduced. They're going to. It really is. It's fairly close to impossible to look at this and not see it as anything other than an extremely expensive way to try to get back at you. Yeah. Well, for example, they put two bills in. One was to rip away enforcement from my division, which we put out a report yesterday showing that that could cost the state up to $800 million, $50 million in direct costs from setting up a new agency and $750 million in tobacco uh, payments that are uh, we, we get from the tobacco companies. Uh, but only if we do meet certain em- enforcement standards. So, oh, okay, that, I, that, I saw that figure, are, and I, I wasn't sure um, how that that part played into. So, thank you for explaining that. So that that yeah. Purely... So it's it's a it's a big fiscal note, which just goes to my point that uh, a it's reckless and unnecessary, but it's also extraordinarily expensive. And for your listeners. They're going to be paying through the nose and they're going to be getting uh, fewer services. So this uh, kind of uh, uh, effort um, to, I guess, send me a message, it it doesn't hurt me at all uh, if they move this agency out. It just hurts the state of Maryland. It hurts the small brewers. It, It hurts the citizens who have to pay for it through taxes and, uh, Obviously, uh, they it hurts uh, from the uh, a way at which it, it would affect negatively the the enforcement of the state's laws. So, all in all, it's uh, you know it's a solu- it's a piece of legislation that's uh, in search of a problem. Uh, the problem that most people don't realize they're dealing with is that they just don't like me speaking out. But once again. Um, you know, as you, you started out by talking about how well I did in the election, um, I'm not threatened personally by this. It's it's these wonderful small businesses and the state that gets uh, impacted. I'm sorry the state has to go through with through it, but everybody knows that uh, that's what's going on down in Annapolis. There are two bills. One is to rip the enforcement division from my agency and send it off into some you know, unknown territory. And then, uh, secondly, they have a second piece of legislation, very odd legislation, which really reveals how 
petty and personal all this is, they they have a piece of legislation that says the comptroller uh, shall not be able to accept campaign contributions because all of us in elected office take contributions from various elements in the liquor industry at one point or another. So they single me out, but they're, and I'm fine with that if they just include themselves. But the reason they, uh, you know, the, it's so obvious that all of this legislation is focused on me personally, they leave out the legislators, the state senators, the state delegates, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the uh, uh, all of the uh, slate mechanisms folks have to collect alcohol money for their elections they leave those all those people all out of the bill um so i i say look uh hey i'm fine with uh restricting alcohol industry contributions but you got to include everybody otherwise it's just punitive against me yeah and so i'm guessing that their reasoning for that is that the almost the same thing as for um, 703 and 1052 is that if you're taking money from the industry, they're saying that you're not, you're not going to be impartial with regulating, which is kind well, of a interesting stance to take considering last year during the testimony, there were a couple people who had close to a hissy fit when a gentleman pointed out how much money each one of them on the uh, economic matters committee had taken from um, alcohol producers. Well, it's worse than that, but it's the, it's the worst kind of hypocrisy. It's typical of what goes on down there in Annapolis and the legislators actually make the laws that uh, affect alcohol regulation. I simply enforce them. Uh, I do a very good job. I'm obviously proudly on the side of small Maryland brewers, and I'm not on the side of big out-of-state uh, corporate brewers who uh, have their thumb on all of the legislators. But the, the 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 key point there is that all of all of us, if you're going to say there's a problem with taking campaign money from an industry that is regulated by state government then you got to uh, include everybody. you got to include the uh, senators, the delegates, the state parties, the slates, all these various ways that legislators particularly uh, have available to raise money from special interests. We're going to take a real quick break now to thank the sponsors who make the Uncapped podcast possible. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. The Frederick Spirits Festival is coming back to the Frederick Fairgrounds on April 20th for a day of food, music, and local spirits. Find your inner mixologist with a cocktail mixing seminar with sampling included with a crafting pass, or join us for the spirits sampling by picking up a tasting pass. Liven up your liquor cabinet with local Maryland spirits. 
For more information and tickets, go to frederickspiritsfestival.com. So you said it would be $50 million direct cost. So that is, if if this were to happen, that it, um, that's yeah, what will be paying for, for them to uh, snub their nose at you. Exactly. It's, it's uh, $50 million that will uh, be completely unnecessary, is very reckless, and will result in less uh, uh, effective service to the people of the state than before. And people say, well, it's $50 million over five years. It's $10 million a year, uh, as the Bureau of Revenue Estimates uh, has concluded. They say, well, uh, you know, that's not very much money. I happen to think it is a lot of money. And uh, I, so I think I'd like $10 to, million is a lot of, a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, I'd like to ask your <laughs> listeners what what they might like to spend $10 million on each year for the next five years. I mean, if they came out and said it, you know, it was like $50,000 and I'd be like, Oh, that, that's a drop in the bucket. But I mean, 50 million is over 10 million a year. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a legislative solution in search of a problem because there is no problem other than they don't like the way I have, I get along with governor Hogan. Apparently that's at the bottom of all this. Uh, Governor Hogan, frankly, has been a breath of fresh air on a lot of these issues dealing with the legislature. He himself says that uh, on 99 different uh, areas, his authority has been taken away by the legislature unfairly and unnecessarily. The most recent one is they're trying to take away his right to have school uh, start after Labor Day. And his comment to me when he heard about this uh, raid on my agency was, uh, welcome to the club, Peter. This is how petty and personal and punitive uh, the legislative bosses in Annapolis can be when uh, they want to send you a message and teach you a lesson and put you under their thumb. Well, good luck trying that because uh, I'm – the only thing silent about Peter Francho is the T at the end of my name. <laughs> so the Maryland Bureau of Revenue has given their estimate for how much it would cost. Uh, from what I understand, the Department of Legislative Services would typically already have released a fiscal note with their estimate of what things would cost. But from what I understand, that has not been done for these bills yet and that that is irregular. Is that Well, accurate? I'm not sure about, I'm not aware of all that, but uh, I will say that the Department of Legislative Services, which bills itself as being nonpartisan, uh, I mean, that's really, uh, you know, doesn't pass the laugh test because they're all responsive to the Speaker and the Senate President, who, which is where all of this punitive legislation comes. So, I'm not sure uh, if they uh, have the capacity to do a legislative uh, a budget review, but I will say that they are, you know, obviously under the thumb of the Annapolis machine as far as their overall analysis. I'm not suggesting they're bad people because of that. I'm just saying that the Bureau of Revenue Estimates, uh, which is uh, answers to the treasurer and the governor and myself, 
is remarkably accurate in the work that it does. And, uh, you know, the point is everybody knows ripping enforcement out of my agency and setting up an independent agency is going to cost a lot of money and it's going to cause a lot of disruption. And if there were a real reason for it, like improving public health or something like that, that they put out in front of them, uh, then maybe you could take a look at it, but it doesn't. It, it just uh, is a very ineffective way of sending a message to me that we don't like you. Well, uh, yeah, but the only people you're hurting are businesses in Maryland and citizens in Maryland. So I don't mean to beat a dead horse. It's uh, they'll they'll do what they uh, you know, they have the power to uh, operate in the dark and go in their back rooms and do this at the last minute and do some other things that supposedly uh, communicate their displeasure uh, with my advocacy for craft beer. But it's not going to shut me up at all. So this Friday, um, which hopefully I get this released before then, on the 22nd, these bills will be discussed in the, um, was it the Economic Matters Committee and what group is it on the Senate side? Education and... Yeah, no, your folks, uh, Chris, can, if anybody's uh, concerned about this, they can write their senators and delegates, delegates and just ask them, uh, you know, not to engage in this kind of activity. Uh, the two bill numbers are House Bill 1052, which, interestingly, is the same number of the bill that was going to destroy the craft beer industry last year, if you'll recall. House Bill 1052, uh, that's oh, yeah, it is. Del Delegate Miller. Uh, he's a Republican in the House side. And then it's Senate Bill 703, Senator Kramer on the uh, Senate side. And uh, they can just, you know, you can say you're opposed to these two bills. The legislature is almost completely unresponsive to uh real people who contact them. But uh, I would I would appreciate it personally if people wrote and said, uh, you know, could you please stop the uh, political games and just get back to doing something good for the state and doing something good for craft beer? I'm optimistic that uh, out of all of this brouhaha will come some positive legislation that the uh, Annapolis machine will grudgingly give up some of their uh, control over craft brewing. And uh, if that happens this year, I would be delighted. And, uh, and uh, because it's that, that would be terrific for the state of Maryland, which right now is in dead last place as far as the mid-Atlantic region, as far as a state that is regarded as uh, uh, collaborative and positive and uh, welcoming to craft beer. And I think by some metrics, um, it's even close to last throughout the whole country. I couldn't agree with you more. And the flagship example of that is up in your area. Uh, Flying Dog has canceled a $54 million uh, second brewery specifically because uh, – of the Maryland legislature and what they did last year. So they have a lot of explaining to do and a lot of uh, making up to do uh, since they all claim to be supporters of um, Maryland small businesses. Maybe they should start actually legislating that way. So 
due to the makeup of the two committees, uh, it's probably that it, it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to pass these on to be voted on by the, the legislative uh, set session at large. Have And I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong with that. But do you get a sense that once these are put to a vote in front of the entire um, Senate and the entire House, how things will go? Have you, are, have you heard much? Is there a lot of support through the rest of the legislature? Or is, is there not a whole lot of feedback? Well, there's a lot of support in the legislature for craft brewers so uh, among the rank and file. But they will do what the uh, speaker and the Senate president tell them to do. Okay. That's the problem. And these folks are, uh, you know, in a very cranky mood right now uh, <laughs> for a variety of reasons. And uh, so I would hope that, uh, you know, cooler heads would prevail and that this legislation would not move forward because uh, it's, it's just so obviously punitive and has nothing to do with policy. Um, it's too bad. I mentioned the health aspect. Uh, we regulate underage drinking and uh, advocate uh, all sorts of attention being made to products like uh, powdered alcohol and loco uh, uh, flavored uh, spirits and things like that. If I remember correctly, we've done our, you, we've this, done we, our we were one of the first states to ban that, right? Yes, and that was our agency that did that. Now, what they're talking about is uh, addiction to alcohol and the and the uh, health effects of drinking alcohol. That's something that we spend hundreds of millions of dollars of federal, state, and local grant money uh, promoting. That's not something that the comptroller's office is is or should be responsible for. Uh, other than, uh, you know, the safety of the products that we have. So there is a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, area that if the legislature wanted to improve uh, public health awareness of alcohol addiction, et cetera, that they could uh, oversee right now. Once again, taxpayers' money being spent on something that they could uh, credibly pay attention to and if they had concerns about it. But it's not that. I mean, these same committees that you're talking about uh, vote dozens of times a year to increase the availability of alcohol products in various legislation. Last year they did. This year they're going to. There's never any conversation about public health because it's a it's in this context, it's a phony uh red herring issue so yeah, it's only it seems to only be brought up as in as it applies to craft breweries exactly and uh you know only craft breweries have any restrictions on them the big guys budweiser miller and coors they're allowed to sell as much beer as you want to anybody in maryland and the uh, retailers and the uh, taverns can sell as much as they want to anybody. There are never any restrictions on them, but, oh, no, all of a sudden with craft beer, which is a, frankly, a much uh, better product, higher-end product, oh, no, there we all have to crack down with, uh, you know, we have to bring Kerry Nation into the uh, legislative uh, committee 
hearing and really crack down on these wonderful small businesses that are sticking their necks out and, and doing such a great job in the state. But, oh, no, the state of Maryland's got to crack down on them because they're competing with the folks that we listen to, which are the big out-of-state beer companies. It, it's it's unfortunate. You mentioned negativity at the beginning. I don't view it as negativity. I see this as clearing away a lot of the brush and brambles that are holding down craft beer. I hope this year uh, some legislation will get through that moves in that direction, and next year we can do even more. Uh, but the times they are changing, I can tell you that. And holding craft beer back is like trying to hold water running downhill back. Yeah. Um, so you you had mentioned um, discussing the, all of this with uh, Governor Hogan. Do you get a sense that this is something he could possibly use his veto power for if it were to make it through? I haven't talked to him. He and and I didn't really talk to him at all. It was just the last Board of Public Works meeting. I made a statement about oh, how okay. ridiculous this whole operation is, and he chimed in, said he wasn't planning on saying anything, but he thought it sounded pretty pathetic that uh, you know this kind of personal retribution would be taken against somebody who's doing their job. And um, you know, I appreciated his his uh, recognition. That was where he brought up. Hey, welcome to the club, Peter. They yeah. do it to me all the time, which uh, we'll just see how it all uh, ends up. But uh, guaranteed, I'll be out in Western Maryland and uh, out about uh, the state visiting these small brewers and thanking them for the grit, innovation and entrepreneurship and excellence of their products and thank them very much for uh adding to the greatness of uh, the state of Maryland. Well, I want to thank you for um, giving me your time. I know it's valuable. You've got a lot going on right now. Um, and hopefully one of these days I'm going to earn one of your coins. Uh, but thank you uh, for talking to me about all this. I, I may end up giving you two coins, Chris. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've done that recently, but uh Thank you for your advocacy, not the advocacy, but thank you for the uh, sunshine that you direct towards uh, the back rooms of Annapolis. And uh, you've helped pull the curtain aside yourself. And I think people are beginning to understand uh, what the issues are here. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate the support I get all around the state. And I'm, I'm glad you do. So um so uh, thank you say, thank, uh, thank you again and uh, yeah thank you to everyone who uh has been listening and thanks for doing a great job all the best chris take care the uncapped podcast is produced by graham cullen and me chris sands be sure to like us on facebook and if you've enjoyed these podcasts please leave us a review on google play or the itunes store a special thanks to double motorcycle for providing our theme music thanks for listening Oh my God, that's good.